Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm ready to party like it's episode 99. <laughs> yeah. It's getting all Barbara Feldon up in here. <laughs> 99. Uh, strange Days. There's a movie called Strange Days. Anyway. It's, it, did it take place in 99? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, Yeah, that's a Catherine Bigelow film. Oh, yeah. Tom Sizemore. Yeah, he is in it, <laughs> along a, with oh, Ray Fiennes. It's also Ray Fiennes. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think of Tom. Size, I think of that is a Tom Sizemore vehicle. The only Tom, the only movie I would say is a that is a Tom Sizemore movie is Paparazzi. <laughs> so, <laughs> I never saw that. Where is uh, that the one that Mel Gibson's hairstylist wrote? <laughs> <laughs> and he directed. And I remember I worked at Blockbuster when it was when it was. Uh, released and so of course a blockbuster they play the previews over and over and there's one and basically the whole idea is it's this guy who you know he's a star and like the paparazzi do their usual due to their usual carelessness they like cause something to happen to his family and they i think they die or something and so he takes his revenge on the paparazzi but what i like is that tom sizemore plays like the lead paparazzi which i'm fairly certain they all work for different organizations that's neither here nor there the uh but he's like mean spirited, like he hates the people that he's taking pictures of. And so like there's a part where in the trailer where he uh he's talking about Cole Hauser, I believe, plays the the Lee the, the movie star. Yeah, I can picture the the cover of the DVD. Yeah. yeah. And uh and Tom Sizemore is like, I'm gonna ruin this guy's life and I can't wait to do it. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> why do you, if you ruin this man's life, you don't have to take pictures, you don't get to take pictures of him anymore. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, and actually, side story, <laughs> uh, Jen and I were uh, going to a store on uh, Ventura Boulevard, and uh, as we were walking up to it, we noticed a lot of people standing around outside. That is a Saturday on Ventura Bul- Boulevard, nothing unusual about people uh, you know, a crowded sidewalk, but we noticed that a lot of these people had cameras, and it's like, oh, p- paparazzi! <laughs> That's very exciting. And then we saw like a guy, like kind of in a, like in a suit, standing like right in front of them, looking angry at them, and he had like one of those little earpieces in with like the with like the cord yeah. around the back of his ear, and it's like, oh, there's somebody in here. I mean, there's somebody like important in here, and this guy is not letting this these paparazzi in. So we go in, and. uh and I can't, I don't know who it is, uh-huh. but like, you know, you hear, as always, you always hear people like, it's like, oh, where is she? Where is she? And I'm like, who is she? Is this like, this might be a big deal. Like, this might be like <laughs> Angelina Jolie or something. And then when I, when I see the person that it is, I don't know who it is. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, geez, I, I don't think I should be hosting a podcast. Um, well, it might have been like, uh, like, would you know Lauren Conrad if you saw her? No. Might have been her. It was uh, Victoria Beckham. Oh, I know Victoria Beckham by sight. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and uh, but it was a really interesting experience. I mean, did, did she look um, uncomfortable in her own skin? That's how I always feel. Victoria Beckham looks. <laughs> I don't know. She had. Uh, they have children, right? Or something. I, I don't know. I don't, anyway, I think she had a kid with her. But uh, she, I, I didn't want to stare because I didn't even know what I was staring at. Let's change the subject completely from the paparazzi. Okay. And let me talk about Victoria Beckham for a second. Go get him. Because it seems to me like she set up this persona where she's, you know, she was posh spice. She was supposed to be like the very fashionable one. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I just get the impression from the way she carries herself that she's kind of like 
uh, halfway faking it, like she and, and she's like forcing herself to be fashionable and care about fashion. Hmm. Uh, you know, like when she was on, she was a uh, a judge, a guest judge on Project Runway. Okay, and I just felt like I, I just wanted to be like you, poor thing. Like it was obvious that she was like <laughs> she just seemed really out of her element, and like she was really trying really hard to impress, like oh. like Heidi Klum and Michael Kors and all them. Uh, and all them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like to talk about high fashion and <laughs> <laughs> throw like stupid Midwestern cloakisms exactly. in there. Yeah. And all them. Uh, so yeah, that's I, I I feel I feel sorry for Victoria Beckham. I want to give her a hug and tell her it's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to always be so fashionable. You know, you're Victoria Beckham. You you've earned it. Has she? Yeah. Okay. What? I don't. What is she? She was one of the Spice Girls, right? Yeah, and she's married to David Beckham. Oh, okay. Her name wasn't always Victoria Beckham. No, I know, right, right. And she's married to David Beckham. But so, like, what has she earned? I'm saying she's gotten enough of a place in society that she doesn't have to try so hard anymore. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess she is like a big select. That's the thing is, this is how solipsistic I am. Where if somebody is. F- insanely famous outside of my realm of knowledge uh-huh. i'm just like whatever i don't yeah. what is she a celebrity what has she earned what <laughs> i don't care i what and just like um but it did get me uh i did have another uh i, I always seem to see the paparazzi and and always miss the star yeah. i was walking down la brea uh several months ago and i'm just walking along ready to go on my lunch break and uh and I see, like, a car go, you know, like, right next to me, and, like, several motorcycles stop very quickly, and all of them jump off, and they all, like, run past me. Um, And I was like, what's going on? Is there, like, a sting? Oh, wait, no, that's the paparazzi. I've heard about these people. It was the first time I saw them. I was like, this is, this is very exciting. And then I realized, like, somebody probably just passed me like as i was walking along i probably passed somebody and i had no idea <laughs> i'm so clueless i got to start looking up when i walk but that would require some self confidence which i do not have but i don't know just the whole i know that i'm late to this party but like every once in a while when i'm waiting for uh the sims i'm sorry when i'm waiting for malcolm in the middle to come on at seven o'clock <laughs> on fox I will have it on Fox and TMZ is on. Yeah. And I'll catch like a couple minutes. And that, I I know that I am like three years behind, if not 10, because of the whole Princess Diana thing. But like, I know I'm way behind, but like, that show's atrocious. Like, that (laughs) whole, that whole, like, the, like, the wet, just the whole idea of it that just like, and if you live in LA, you see like the billboards all over Uh that says like, uh, that shows like these, celebrity photos and it's just like it's like they're celebrities they they're asking for it or something like that this something that implies that because somebody is famous for pursuing their dream or whatever the ca- yeah. that they deserve the whatever scorn or like the a weird the weird sense of superiority that i think comes with watching these kinds of shows i don't know i mean i know that you're very anti this kind of thing right yeah i am uh, in the yeah i i well, this is going to tie into the Christian Bale thing, actually. Because yeah. I was having this yeah. conversation with someone, you know, where, uh, and, the, and the guy was saying, you know, he should, uh, you know, he should, he should know to watch himself. He he wanted he, he wanted to be in the public eye. He wanted to be an, act- an actor, you know, 
he should be expecting this kind of to be recorded or whatever, right. you know. And uh, you know, this isn't this isn't Lauren Conrad we're talking about. We're talking about Christian Bale, a real right. actor. Yeah. You know, he wanted to act. That's that's what he wanted to do with his life, and he's doing it very well. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's an unfortunate byproduct that he has to be under a microscope because right. of it. Yeah, it's uh, it is a shame that like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't stand by you know a lot of the things that he said. Funny though, they often are. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, it's it's like the conversation you and I had a very long time ago when I the the one in which I accidentally said somebody's name and shouldn't have, and we <laughs> cut and we made like the only edit we've ever done in the show. Yeah. Um, but when I worked at Blockbuster, it happened to be one where celebrities were coming in a lot. And because they're celebrities, there's just a heightened awareness of how they act. And so, like, I said that, like, Raven Simone was a little rude. But it's like, no, 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 she's no more rude than anybody else. You're just taking note because she's Raven Simone. Yeah. You know, she's a perfectly average customer in that way. Yeah. And so, like, I personally don't think anybody should act like that, regardless of what job they have. Uh, act like, like Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Um, regardless of what job they have. But it's just, it is a shame that... He's just an he's just an actor looking to do his job, but it just happens to be ri- highly yeah. visible. And he's got some guy walking through there. Okay. Well, first, we're not going to go into detail about the Christian Bale thing now because right. we will next week That's on right. our hundredth episode. I we get, know we, that because we already recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try and put up a ruse, David, but okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so yeah, we we already recorded our our hundredth episode uh, with uh, return guests Matt Belknap and yep. Joel Church Cooper. Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. So expect yeah. that next week. Tune in next week. <laughs> yeah, not this bullshit. But, yeah, but that we but we talked at length about Christian Bale, so yeah. I'm not going to really go into it right uh, here. Yeah, and we apologize if when you listen next week you're like, this is kind of old news. It wasn't when we recorded it, so just uh, <laughs> yeah. just bear with us. But uh, um. now, David. What are we talking about this week? Well, uh, let's get to it in a little bit. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yes, I'm <laughs> well, sorry. A, Go ahead. There's a couple other things. Well, first off, I want to say I watched the Polanski, Polanski unauthorized trailer again. And uh, you, uh, people. Yeah. People out there, you have to watch this. It's insane. There it is looks, a, I, d- I decided what it, lo- what it looks like. What does it look like? It, it looks like it's going to be if you made an entire movie out of reenactments from America's Most Wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's the kind of movie that it looks like it's going to be. Absolutely, like or just America's most whatever it may be. You could watch something with the History Channel, uh-huh. where like somebody is. It's like there's a narrator and he's reading from somebody's journal, but then they have something and in the, the bottom it says dramatization. <laughs> like yeah. it's an entire movie. Oh, that's absolutely perfect. And uh, there is a thread about it on the forum. At battleshippretension.com. Yeah. So you can go to that link and, and you can go right to it. It it, it opens in select locations uh, Friday, February 13th. Uh, I might have to go see it because it's coming yeah. here. But I don't know if I could sit through it. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 hilarious to me for two and a half minutes in the oh, trailer. Yeah. But I don't know if I could sit through a whole movie of that. You know, that's the, I mean, there are so many movies that it's like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. I mean, we did an episode on that and we enjoy watching bad movies. But it's like... It's pricey to go to movies out here. It's yeah. like I don't know if I can. I need. I think I could watch it in in a in a DVD situation where it's like I. This is hilarious because it's so bad, but I do need to stop it and just catch my breath because this is ridiculous. This uh-huh. is awful. But uh, f- sitting in a theater with a group of people seems insane. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah, that's the uh, people go out there and watch it. It's yeah. Oh, it's amazing. But um, there's one other thing I want to talk about. Uh, okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Lost again. Woo! Because even though this is a movie podcast, fuck it, it's my podcast. That's right, buddy. We can talk about episode whatever. 99. Yeah. Who cares anymore? Uh, well, you were telling me you were you were telling me uh, just before we recorded that you and um, and Jenny, your wife, um, whom you refer to as Jen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're watching Unfaithful. That's right. And that Michael Emerson. He yeah. plays Ben on Lost. Yeah. Showed up briefly. He had like one line. Yeah. And it took you out of the movie. You were like, oh, oh what's yeah. he doing there? You yeah. know? Uh, Michael Emerson is so great on Lost. Yeah. I feel terrible for him because that's what it's going to be for a long time. Yeah. I uh, mean, I it's. Think. You don't like. Just in general. Like, part of me feels like. Like when I when I saw him in Unfaithful, he is not playing. that. The movie is, a, is kind of a thriller of sorts. Yeah. But. His uh, his character has no element of that. Like he's not like one of the cops on the trail of. Well, I won't ruin it for anybody, but like he's not one of those. He's not a predatory type character. Uh-huh. He's a suburban husband, you know. Yeah. And but he, and that's the thing is the first thing I ever saw him in was Lost, and so I find myself wondering like, do I think he looks creepy and suspicious bec- only because I know him first from Lost, or does he just have that look? And yeah. I don't know. Well, I think it's it's not just I don't think it's just the way he looks. I think that yeah. his his performance as as Ben is so remarkable and yeah. so memorable that uh it's going to carry with him to any other role he takes for a long time to come. And I feel kind of bad for him. But there is a way to actually turn that into because he's a strong enough actor. I think there's yeah. a way to turn that into an advantage because frankly, he's not like a com- he would never get a leading role anyway. He was always going to get character parts uh-huh. one way or, th- or the other. It's just in this way he's probably going to get you know character roles that are a little insidious. But he's a good actor and he'll probably find a way to turn those on themselves much in the way that he has done with Ben. Uh-huh. I mean there are entire seasons where you're like I want Ben to die. I want Ben to be dead. And then this season He's kind of a good guy. I mean, yeah, kind of, for lack of a better term. But you're just like, but you're on board with what his goals are. Well, I, when at the end of uh, if people haven't watched season four, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the end of season four when he has to, and if people haven't watched the end of season four, that this is going to sound ridiculous. Yeah. When he has to turn the frozen donkey wheel yeah. and move the island, and he knows <laughs> he can't come back. Right. You know, that's one of the emotional high points for me in that oh, whole yeah. series. I it devastated me, and it's in, it's all in his face. You know, he's like straining to. Anyway, I'm just I'm getting I'm geeking out here because yeah. it's such a great performance and it's such a great scene. But that's what you're talking about is that as much as I have hated him, yeah, you know, I felt terrible for him that he had to he right. has to leave the island and he can't, he can't come back. It's just it's a wonderfully written character, and he might be like he's probably in the top three f- uh, for me as like favorite characters because. There's so much depth to him, but you don't even know that much about it. Like you don't, yeah. you get a, a glimpse here and there. Like you get like Desmond's past, you get Locke, you get everybody's past. You don't really get anything. Yeah, except, except for, for the bits. one, the one uh, episode, right, where he's uh, a kid, though. Yeah, you know, um, but like, I, uh, yeah, it is a shame that I mean he's just, and it happens all the time. It's just he's probably going to be when Lost is over. He's probably going to be typecast. Uh-huh. Um. But he can use it for his advantage, and as I've said to you, um, 
I am a big fan of the Riddler. Uh-huh. Uh, I have little Riddler action figures and figurines in my apartment because I love the character so much. And I think that he would be a good addition to the Christopher Nolan Batman series. And I think that, I mean, a lot of people have been saying like, oh, Johnny Depp should be the Riddler. And it's like, let's, okay, I'm sure he'd be fine. There's no question about it. But it's like, how about let's just throw it to a nice character actor. Heath Ledger, lead actor Heath Ledger. He got the Joker and he, and he, and he did very well with it. Uh-huh. More about that next week. But, um, yeah. but like, let's. Let's 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 give uh, let's give the Riddler to the nice character actor, and especially somebody like Michael Emerson, who everything he says sounds as Ben. Yeah, everything he sends, says sounds like a riddle. Uh-huh. Like where you're just like, it's like okay, I'm going to tell you the truth, and you're, and to his credit, no matter how many times he has lied to the characters, no matter how many times he's lied to us, we still think he might be telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. But if he is telling the truth, it's not for the reason that he says it is. Like, it's just, he would be so great in that character. Like, it's just, there are enough well-written, there are enough good characters out there that if he was typecast, he would still be getting, he still could be getting really good work. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, if ever they wanted to uh, do a new version of Othello, I think he'd make an amazing Iago. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, but that's the thing is these are all characters similar to the one that he's playing. But within that, it's not so limiting. I mean, it's not like he's oh gosh, I can't and now I can't think of uh, of like an actor who's just who they use. He's not the giant in uh, Big Fish. He's not <laughs> right. You know, like he's not. I don't know why I just went to another giant. He's not Andre the Giant. <laughs> he's not Wallace Shawn. Granted, Wallace Shawn can do a lot of things. Yeah, but there's. He, in mainstream Hollywood films, he's been largely typecast as this, this kind of goofy, weaselly yeah. uh, kind of guy, and there's not a lot that he can do with it. But the types of roles that Michael Emerson could get, they're still very limiting, but within yeah. that, there's a lot that a good actor like him could do with it. Speaking of all of Sean, he's been showing up on Gossip Girl this season, Okay, and he starts off like being like that you think he's going to be that and then he ends up being like a, you know you see find that he's a really nice caring guy it's a very good performance on by Wallace Shawn I do Gossip like Girl. Wallace Shawn anyway so we should get to the topic absolutely but, uh, one more thing about uh, the Lost related um, Matthew Fox is currently on the cover of both Entertainment Weekly and Details and in both he needs a haircut he looks <laughs> like a little he looks like a little boy his hair is like all is it tousled shaggy? and yeah it's shaggy okay. it's no thank you Matthew Fox <laughs> no thank you <laughs> Simply not done. <laughs> so, uh, all right, this is like the longest, one of the longest intros <laughs> ever. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but uh, I think I think I think it was fun. Uh, so, what are we talking about? Well, let's uh, get into it, shall we? Indeed, this is a uh, this is a listener suggested topic. In fact, uh, several different listeners have suggested it. Yeah. Um, and it's one that uh, for myself, the reason we haven't done it is because shows like uh, topics like this, they're kind of n- not easy, but there's a lot of there's a lot there, yeah. and it's like, oh, good, I can keep this in my back pocket for when I can't think of anything, <laughs> yeah, um, or something that doesn't require a lot of research or something like that. Um, and so, basically, um, and this is a good time of year uh, to be talking about this. You know, it's Oscar season, and especially in LA, everybody's talking about that, and and uh, it's like, oh, should that have been nominated for an Oscar? Or what about all the campaigning and what and uh, 
on Ebert's website, his uh, one of the like Jim Emerson. So I guess his like online editor, but also the blogger. He has a really interesting blog right now about like a lot of the weird mudslinging going on uh-huh. with the various Oscar nominees. Like you know, questioning like, oh, do you think Brad Pitt should have been nominated for Best Actor? There's a lot of special effects, and nothing, none of those were him. And, and it's like, and do you think the uh, do you think the Indian actors in Slumdog Millionaire were paid enough? I've heard rumors, like, <laughs> just that there actually is, like, a lot of these kind of this bad-mouthing of, of movies, like this weird political, uh, not literal politics, but this weird thing that has nothing to do with the art of film. And it's like, well, that's, it's very strange. But you, you understand you're still introducing the topic. Yes, yes. Okay, you haven't gotten to it no, yet. Yes. <laughs> and so, so in this atmosphere, we decided to go ahead and and uh, tackle the topic of movies about filmmaking and about Hollywood in general. Yeah. So um, so that's what the topic is, um, and it is uh, there's a lot of movies about this. Yeah. And uh, honestly, and I'll throw it to you, David. I wonder why why are there so many movies about movies? Well, um, I think there marketable because uh you know people the type of people who read tabloids want to see that sort of behind the scenes stuff and they want to feel like they're a part of uh, or you know feel like they have some insight into what's going on behind the scenes you know and 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 uh and stuff like that and i also think that um a you write what you know so a lot of people <laughs> uh write stuff that you know that they've experienced in hollywood and on yeah. movie sets and, su- and such but i also think it's kind of a uh, sometimes disingenuous um, attempt to like be self-deprecating, you know. Okay. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of there, there's a recent example that I just can't think of. Uh, oh, what was the stupid Rob, Robert De Niro movie? What just happened? Yeah, I didn't see it, but no, it, that, that's what it seemed like. Or like the Last Shot with uh, Matthew Broderick and Alec Baldwin. Oh, which I never saw. Um, it's not very good. Uh, it's not terrible, but. Uh, it it does seem like they like they're trying to the, the filmmakers are trying to like place themselves above this petty like you know look how silly mm-hmm. this all is this thing that I have dedicated my life to right right you know but it it's it's like distancing and and it's kind of it's often kind of false hmm. so that's I think why there's so many of them because a lot of them are bad in that way uh, the other reason like I said you write what you know you mm-hmm. know. Uh, it's a, that's why you get movies like uh like Barton Fink, my yeah. favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Uh or or even like Synecdoche, New York, which mm-hmm. is not my favorite movie right. <laughs> of any time. <laughs> um that are actual like uh dissections of the creative process, you know? And yeah. uh, Barton Fink does it better because it uh it ties it into the 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 creative process and the dichotomy between creative people and the common man, as, mm-hmm. as it were, you know, whereas Snecticky New York just gets really indulgent. Yeah. Self-indulgent? Self-indulgent, Okay. Yes. <laughs> there is a difference, I think. The word indulgent, somebody should, if somebody says that, they should probably be more specific. Um, inside joke. <laughs> it's an inside joke. That's, that was very self-indulgent <laughs> of me. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think one of the reasons is that there is so much... I think, and I think honestly, people working within the film industry probably know it better than others. Is that 
millions of dollars are being made by uh-huh. movies and by producers and by actors. And so, like, if, for example, if a producer is behind a movie, is, you know, uh, in charge of a film that is not going well or something like that, he stands to lose millions of dollars, not to mention his reputation and all that sort of thing. But then also there's there's also, like, actors who through, like, you know, through the media and, and just and the idea of being famous are are sent the message that they are kind of in a way more important than a regular person. Uh-huh. And so the the mixture of like this weird fame and millions of dollars I think can lead to I mean as we saw with, you know, like Christian Bale, I mean it can lead to like really odd outsized personalities. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I've, you know, I mean you've worked in films and I've worked as an intern, uh, uh-huh. you know, I, I, I was going to say I've worked in some movies, but I wasn't paid. I was compensated for gas. But um, and so and I've you know, and you I've witnessed firsthand producers blow up and go crazy. Yeah. And and you and so like I remember I won't say who it was, but I remember th- when I was listening to this tirade that this producer was he was going off on an act on this actor. Um, I remember thinking like, Oh my gosh, it's like Kevin Spacey and swimming with sharks. Uh-huh. Like, and then, you know, if you live out here long enough, you know, people who know people who've done awful things. You hear terrible things about what's, who's it? Scott Rudin. I knew you were going to say Scott <laughs> yeah. Rudin. Yeah. Right. Everybody has a story about, you know, it's like, I know a guy who know a guy who was left by the side of the road. Uh, I know the same story. Oh really? Maybe that one's true. <laughs> I I believe it. Yeah. But um you know and so like it's just when you're out here you're aware of just how insane people can be out here. Uh-huh. You know. Um and so I think they just realize like there's a lot of potential here to show I mean you, th- you know you look at Barton Fink Jack Lipnick uh-huh. is is amazing. I mean, he is Hollywood in the way he's written and the way he's played. The fact that he can be so he can he'll just give you a big old bear hug when he loves you. He'll kiss your feet because to make you feel like you are the the end all be all creatively. But uh-huh. the minute, the second uh-huh. that he starts to think that you're maybe not on the same page as him, he realizes that like. You know, he like in Barton Fink, he says the writer is king here at Capitol Pictures. But then that's when the, he's on board with the writer. Yeah. Once he once he's not, screw you. I'm in charge. You know. Yeah. And uh, I think that's 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 why these movies are made and why they have the potential to be so interesting. Yeah. Is because as crazy, it, it almost gives actors license to overact because as crazy as they go, they probably know somebody who is as crazy as that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you didn't see Tropic Thunder, did you? No. Okay. Um, and that's a movie that it it has satirical ambitions. Um, and there's a couple moments where it's like, that's a nice... I mean, some of the comedy in general is pretty funny, um, just from a comedic standpoint. But as far as the idea of satirizing Hollywood, there's really only a few moments that really, like, hit the nail right on the head. Um, and... Robert Downey Jr.'s character, the idea of just this actor who just goes into character and never comes out, no matter how ridiculous his character is, uh-huh. um, 
and so like wow what a commitment to the craft but then you but then as the film unfolds you find out that like he's just he's just as egotistical as any of these other people like he doesn't read the script and he'll throw out these little cliches like i don't read the script the script the script reads me and it's like wait what that doesn't mean any, that doesn't actually mean anything um and so it's stuff like that and then of course the 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 big one that everybody talks about is tom cruise in the film uh-huh. who plays like kevin spacey in swimming with sharks um but they also make him look you know like overweight and hairy and gross and completely unlikable in every way yeah um and uh and some of some of his things are uh are nicely satirical but i would say and i'm sorry i've been talking for a while i'll, That's okay. I'll, I'll throw it to you in a minute david um <laughs> one thing that as i was making my list it occurred to me so many of the good satires on hollywood really play up the cutthroat nature of of hollywood and movie making and of course, in these movies, they do it literally, where people get shot and people, you know, uh, it's like, oh, this in in Tropic Thunder, uh, you know, the actors are become they get held for ransom at at one point, and they uh-huh. call Tom Cruise, and he basically instantly starts weighing like, okay, how much? It's like, well, if they die. Uh, we're out some money, but insurance will kick in and we'll be fine. We'll make, we'll actually make more if they die than if we pay the ransom, you know, and just like the idea of like human lives and a person's feelings are thrown completely out the window. Yeah. And movies like get shorty and the player swimming with sharks. Like they all have a violent element to it. Yeah. Well, Let's put Swimming with Sharks on the back burner for now. Okay. Because I, I don't like that movie. Right. And I, I want to talk about it. Okay. And uh, even the player I'm going to set aside for now. Okay. Uh, as great as that is. But uh, Tropic Thunder and I didn't see it. But I I, I do like some sometimes the movies that uh, that fail at this that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like The Last Shot. Um, or the, I mean, the Last Shot is a bad example of this. It's, that's just a bad movie. But uh, let's say State and Maine, which we've okay. talked about it. We, we both think is funny, but not necessarily a good movie. Right. Um. The problem is, is that it's it's just too inside. Mm-hmm. And what movies like Tropic Thunder do is, and what's really effective in satirizing Hollywood is by placing it alongside something that's, for lack of a better word, more real. Mm. You know, like in that case, it's war. In yeah. Get Shorty, it's the mob. You know, right. uh, and, you know, in in Wag the Dog, it's you know, oh, yeah. it's it's uh, the government and and politics, uh, and, yeah. politics and, and and that sort of that sort of thing that's uh, i think i think those are the most uh, effective it's mm-hmm. it, it's easy cuz the whole thing like you're talking about you've seen producers blow up i've seen you know i've i was a pa for a while and i came to the conclusion that you can tell in hollywood how important a person is mm-hmm. by the extent to which they are treated like a baby oh yeah it, you know yeah. and it's it's so silly yeah. What, you know, and we we get. I, I I like to think that I've sort of stepped aside from it, you know. But yeah. we get so get our our heads wrapped up in it, and we forget. And that's uh, that's why the best way to satirize Hollywood is to set it alongside alongside something that's that's real, and, and that makes it uh, points out its silliness. Yeah, and like, and you take something that everybody already is kind of familiar with, like the mob, like politics, uh-huh. like something that people realize. Based on movies, 
you know. Uh-huh. But with politics, it's a little different. But like something that people realize is life and death. You can be killed in the mob. Uh-huh. Politics can equal life and death. And then, and you say it's like, yeah, filmmaking's a lot like that as well. Uh-huh. You know, um, I watched in preparation for this. I, I, not really in preparation. I've seen the mo- movie many times, and I just wanted to watch it again. Um, Jen and I watched uh, Get Shorty yeah. last night. And I, f- I forgot how much I love that movie. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, you mentioned, um, no, I just forgot. What just happened? Yeah. And uh, it was pretty widely panned by critics. Um, and, and like, State and Maine is a little, you, you know, it's a little too inside. Mm-hmm. And I think the best ones are are they're either made by outsiders by I mean they may you know like the Coen brothers when they made Barton Fink they were kind of they were at that point starting to be accepted into the Hollywood system yeah. but they were still they were still very much outsiders yeah especially under the circumstances in which they made and wrote Barton Fink because mm-hmm. they were you know they're trying to. They're, you know, they're trying to write. I forget if they were filming or writing Miller's Crossing, which is a much more conventional Hollywood type film yeah. because it's about the mob. And then there's a lot of pressure on them, and so they just. Well, that's wrote that's the story. The story that as I've heard is that they were writing Miller's Crossing, and okay. they got writer's block. Right, and that's why they wrote a movie about a writer with with writer's block. Yeah, and so I mean, them. So they still at that point were kind of outsiders. There weren't a, a, a lot of huge expectations of them at that point, but like at the same time. You know, then you get something like, so it's either the best ones are either made by out Hollywood outsiders who aren't used to this world, uh-huh. or they're about outsiders who just come into it. Much like, you know, Get Shorty is about a guy who comes from one very high pressure, you know, uh, violent, kind of stupid, and and like where everybody is kind of posing. You know, and everybody's uh, trying to make themselves out to be more than they are, mm-hmm. which is the world of the mob. He goes from that and into a, a, you know, he's kind of in the mindset of the audience because he thinks of movies like, oh, I love movies. It's like, this will be great. I'd love to get into movies. And he goes out there and finds that there's just as much of the, po- if not more, of the posing and the reputation and the re- crap about respect and, you know, um, and just the... But the the difference is that, like, in The Mob, you kind of know you don't need... You can't trust anybody, and and people will, for the most part, say what they mean. Uh-huh. You know, in in Hollywood, like he talks about, it's just like, he's like, ugh. He's like, if I... It's like, I'm not going to go through the shrinks trainer to so-and-so to get the actor. I'll just get the actor, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and so I think... And I think there's a couple... Uh, there's a couple others here that I couldn't. Uh, uh, I forgot, but like <laughs> there's, there there are a couple others that I that I was thinking of where it's like, they work best when they are seen. When Hollywood is viewed, f- kind of from the outside, and it's somebody learning about it. Like, yeah, I'd say probably the best part, not the best part, but the most relatable part of State in Maine is that Philip Seymour Hoffman is not a part of it, but is becoming a part of it. Yeah. You know, um, but, uh, I've been talking for a while. I'm sorry, David, go ahead. <laughs> this is what happens when I make a list and you don't, David, I feel like I need to hit everything on it. I'm sorry. That's why I stopped making lists. I know. Cause, uh, I'm sorry, anyway. listeners. Um, no, now I forgot. Now you made me forget what I was going to say. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the player because okay. that's sort of the exception 
that proves the rule. Right. That's a movie that's really insidery. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it's even though there's like the the cops, mm-hmm. you know, who are outsiders in that movie. Yeah. But we're not seeing it from their point of view. We're right. we're actually the sort of novel thing about it is we're seeing the cops in that world from the Hollywood point of view in right. a way, you know, to where it's almost like it's almost like what what the cops are doing is somehow less important. <laughs> you know, doesn't I mean they're they're out there trying to solve a murder. Yeah. But it seems kind of petty to to the viewer at yeah. first. At first, obviously, yeah. you know, because because Altman has done such a good job of bringing us into this world. Yeah, you know, where it's like we just saw a guy murder somebody. Like th- there is nothing at all, really, very sympathetic about Tim Robbins' character in the player. Right, and we want him. We kind of want him to get caught, and. uh but at the same time, we don't, yeah, because it's just like, no, because this guy's working hard. He's, you know, he's making his way up, yeah. you know, and that's what it's all about. Oh wait, no, I like you forget that a murder even really occurred because you get so wrapped up in the politics of the studio, yeah, much like the character himself. Um, but uh, and of course, there's there's also that movie addresses a lot of things. I mean, it's there's a a literal murder by the executive of the creative guy, uh-huh. uh, which, you know, is kind of a, a not very subtle symbol of what is, lar- you know, widely accepted uh-huh. uh, in the Hollywood community that like the executives will make all the decision and they will accept your creativity only to the point that it serves them. Yeah. And if it's not, then they will kill that person somehow, <laughs> you know, career wise, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of um uh friends of the show Randy and Jason Sklar mm-hmm. have uh have a, a bit uh about uh the stat that statue at the Grove. Do you know if you heard this bit? I have not been to the Grove in a very long time. Okay, well there's a statue that's like it's like an angel flying and then it's like a guy holding on to the angel's ankle mm-hmm. and like I guess the idea is you're supposed to be lifted up by the angel, but it looks like someone is dragging the <laughs> angel back down to the ground and how that's like a perfect metaphor for this city. <laughs> people people come here to realize their dreams and get dragged down to the ground. <laughs> you're it's like, Oh, you think you're so clever, I'm gonna drag you down with the rest of us. Yeah. Um Yeah, and so like now, so far, we've talked about movies about Hollywood. We haven't really discussed a lot of movies about the process of filmmaking. Well, um, what's on What's on your list there? Well, I'm glad I've got it right here in front of me, David. Um, I would say, like, uh, did you ever see Day for Night? No, I never did. Truffaut, uh, yeah. Truffaut's film. That's an interesting one, and it's actually a lot like State and Maine. I mean, when you think about it, State and Maine is also kind of about filmmaking. Uh, yeah. Not about necessarily the creative process, although they do solve some problem some creative problems because they yeah they figure out she doesn't have to show her tits exactly exactly <laughs> um but like thanks david um but also like little things like but it also shows one of the things that i do like about state and maine is the way that it so intermingles the creative with the the hollywood aspect because all of a sudden they have to it's like they're making a movie called the old mill but they can't they can't call it that and this this old mill in the film they're making it no they have to play play it down in fact they can't really mention it at all because 
the set that they had built, the old mill that they had built, is in another town, which they had to leave because one of the stars got involved with an underage girl. And it's like, well, that has nothing to do with the creative process, but now suddenly we have to figure this out yeah, because of something that has nothing to do with an artistic vision, you know? Um, and Day for Night is very much like that. I mean, it's just... Hang on, there's craziness going on. Sorry, there's... Uh, I, think we'll, I think I'll edit this. No, you don't have to edit this okay, at all. Um, um, but Day for Night... I, I wonder if the microphones even picked up the sirens. I think they did. If they didn't, that's just going to sound really weird. But, but what is... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, there's... Uh, like, <laughs> we're just, I'm just going we're to just quiet this. for 10 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. It's like, yeah, to them it sounds like I just had an existential crisis. Um but no, and and day for night is much th- is much the same. I mean, one of the things is that like uh not so much anymore, but perhaps back when day for night was made, uh movie stars were seen more as like not necessarily role models, but like oh, making a movie, it's such oh, it must be such a wonderful thing and being a part of it. Uh-huh. And then day for night you just see it's all about how everybody's sleeping with everybody else, but that, but everybody's just totally insecure and everybody uh-huh. it's, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't remember a lot of the st- uh, specifics, but it's basically like a fun, like a farce, you know, uh-huh. is the way it's treated. But there's also certain dramatic elements, but for the most part, it's just like everyone's staying in the hotel and my, isn't that convenient for all the affairs we're having. <laughs> um, but, uh, but let's see, I'm trying to think, uh, Oh, did you ever see, RKO 281? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that one actually, because it's it's based on a true story and it's based, you know, and it's the story of the making of a film that everybody, you know, a lot of people are deeply familiar with. I think that one's interesting because, granted, the second half has to do more with uh, Orson Welles fighting William Randolph Hearst. And uh, for those who haven't seen it, it was made for HBO uh, about at this point, I guess about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about the making of Citizen Kane and then the, the effects that that had on Orson Welles' career and, and that sort of thing. But um, but the first half of it is all about him making the film and how Orson Welles just as much... I mean, he's got a fiery temper. He's really... He just he insists that everybody do exactly what he wants. But it's and he's not a very likable character in mm-hmm. the film and he's played i think really well by Liev Schreiber but because you've seen the film because you've seen Citizen Kane you're almost willing to take every horrible thing that Orson Welles does in the film you almost take it with a grain of salt because you're like you know what he's right like i yeah. don't, i don't think i agree with how he's treating people but look, he did create this amazing film out of it. Like it's, I don't know. It's like I think that one really benefits from the fact that it's a true story, um, and it's one of the downsides of a movie like For Your Consideration. I didn't see it. It had so much potential. It is so frustrating because mm-hmm. that's that's again more about Hollywood than than the creative process because the movie's pretty much done uh, when the movie starts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie in which they're making doesn't look very good, and it—I mean, it, it looks ridiculous and stupid. And it's like, oh well, I would have liked it more if we see all the crazy comedy that happens beforehand. But then the movie within the movie that they're making is like a, a high-level drama with great acting and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But it's not. It's just as goofy as the film we're watching, and and it, nothing feels real as a result of it. But like, so RKO two eighty one because it's about Citizen Kane. 
that has an impact on how we view or for myself on how I view Orson Welles in the film. It's like, well, he's being a prick, but in service of an, of an amazing film. Yeah. Um, God, I'm, I'm, I'm off today. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, we recorded a hundredth episode earlier today That's true. and I think I completely, you exhausted all your movie talk. Yeah. I, I, Cause oh man, I was, I was on you were doing very well, David. <laughs> You're doing very well. Stay tuned, everybody. I don't know. Stay tuned isn't right. Just come back next week. Yeah, but I wonder if I mean, how how do uh, people who aren't into film, you know, because yeah. you know, I've, Eight and a Half is a great example. Oh yeah, a movie about about filmmaking. Yeah, um, or more about the creative process, about the mind of a filmmaker. Right. Um, and of course. It's very well loved by people who are really into film, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I wonder what the appeal of these kind of movies is to a larger audience. Uh, I mean, the other movie I talked about early on, what the appeal to those sort of in- insidery romps is, you right. know, like feeling a part of it. But the the movies that are really about the creative process, like Barton Fink, like Eight and a Half, and even Synecdoche, New York. Right. Uh, it, they don't have a very large appeal, and that uh, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> right, right. But uh, what do you what do you think of that? Well, that's I remember you uh, was I don't remember what episode, but it was recently that uh, somebody mentioned like, uh, would my mom go see this, or would my mom like this? You yeah, know? and uh, and that's kind of a good when I when you talk about because at this point, even the people I know that aren't looking to do film or aren't really creative people themselves they still have really good taste in movies yeah. like i've managed to eliminate everybody from my life that does not have the same taste as me which may not be the best yeah um so my mom is instantly who i think of when you talk about those people um and so i don't know i mean it's i would be fascinated to have her watch because i think she and my dad saw get shorty when it came out yeah and I mean, I seem to recall that she focused on the violent element of it, and like she was into that. What? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's no question. Oh, back in the day, she loved a good, uh, a good violent uh, action film. Um, she loves Predator. <laughs> kind of lost your steam there. <laughs> yeah, a good uh, action film. Oh, no, thank you. I'm done with this. Um, but the, uh, you know, she didn't seem to really catch on to a lot of the set. My dad caught on to a lot of the satire because he. He does. He, he liked movies a lot more. Yeah, and caught on to like, oh, the parallels between, you know, the mob and Hollywood. Yeah, that's very funny. I liked it. He enjoyed it a lot more than she did. Yeah. Um, but again, that's that's one of those insidery films. I, I'm yeah. talking about the films that are really in the head of the creative person. Oh, you know? okay. Um, I, and you know what? I like films that have uh, a, a theoretical small appeal. Yeah. I end up liking them a lot, even if they're about something that I don't. You yeah. know, like uh. I can't remember the fucking name of it. <laughs> Fuck. Not Riding the Giants, but the other surfing documentary. From oh. if you're, Step into Liquid. Step into Liquid, yes. I don't care about surfing at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> especially the weird spiritual element yeah. to it. That, but yeah. Step into Liquid, fucking awesome. Because I... Cause yeah. I and it, we're kind of going off the rails here, but uh, th- there's been... In in our pop culture over the past, I'm sure we talked about this show before. The past maybe decade, maybe not even decade, like half decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a a change that I'm 
uh, or a trend at least that I'm very happy with. Yeah. And that's like sort of uh, nerd chic. Like, yeah. it's cool to be nerdy. It's cool to be into something yeah. too much, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, <laughs> that, that it makes for good movies and, and TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> you okay? Fuck. You okay there, Danny? <laughs> it makes for good movies, action movies. I'm trying to um, remember where I even started. Oh, okay. Sorry, Ugh. David had a late night last night. Uh, I didn't want to make excuses, and we just rec- and our uh, our hundredth episode is pretty long. Um, <laughs> but and actually, I'm I'm glad that you brought up documentaries. Um, because <laughs> why do you say, say well, it because, like that? because like, uh, there's nothing about surfing in what I'm about to say, but the fact that it is a documentary, I'll use that as a segue. Why not? But, uh, well, I, I think I kind of understand where I was going. Okay. Though. You're back on track. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad that it's cool to be nerdy again and it's cool to make projects that are about, you know, like, look at like the King of Kong. Oh yeah. Great. Absolutely. Great idea. It's because it, and it makes for more personal filmmaking and storytelling mm-hmm. in t- in TV and whatever you know. Uh, and this this is just another this type of film that we're talking about today is just another one of those types of, of things. And yeah. uh, so e- even I think even if I didn't care about how movies are made, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or or what it's like to write a movie, you know, or yeah. have writer's block or whatever. Um, I would love these movies because I like that kind of insight into something that's very small and personal about a person that's not necessarily universal, but yeah. ends up saying something universal. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I mean the like the broader a movie goes, so that everybody can be a part of it, or you know, on a superficial level, yeah, it's just like, oh, that's that's great. I appreciate that you want to be inclusive, but if you've got a good enough story you know and it's compelling enough it could be about something i could it could be a, about a stamp collector yeah i don't care about stamp collection i, I to a ridiculous deg- like almost i almost feel animosity towards it <laughs> but but you know in just the right movie like king of kong that is the perfect that is the perfect yeah movie to bring up because you you, you know you watch it and you kind of i mean you feel superior to it. I think I watched, I watched, um, oh no, the crossword puzzle one, which I don't remember the name of. I can't remember. Wordplay. 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 I get, um, I get confused with Word Wars, which was the Scrabble one, Scrabble, which is also right. freaking awesome. Yeah, but like those are so specific. Uh-huh. And I, as it turns out, am awful at crossword puzzles. And I was re- reluctant to watch the movie because I f- thought I would just feel insecure and stupid, which I did incidentally. But, um, <laughs> But it's so fascinating that you're like, wow, this is somebody's world. This is somebody's life. And how could I ever look down on that? Because I've got something like that, too. Everybody's got something like that. And so, like, you know, to bring it to bring it into this topic, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, like, it doesn't like we've been saying, like, how some of these movies are kind of insidery as if that's kind of a flaw. Sometimes it is. I mean, I think when when it goes into self-indulgence, maybe it is. Yeah. But, like, just, like, having having jokes that, like, that not everyone will get, I think is not necessarily... I don't know why I said jokes, but I guess a lot of these are comedies now that I look at it. Yeah. But, like, 
that not everybody gets, I think is is okay. You know, um, as long as they can still be funny on their own. You know, you and I were on the Paul Goebbels yeah, show the several months ago talking about The Simpsons and how there are some references on The Simpsons that I don't get, but thankfully they're funny enough on their own. Yeah, that that I can still laugh at it even if I don't get the reference. Yeah, well, that's that's where you learn. We you learn where you you draw the like sort of uh, divide between a film that's uh, personal and unique and and maybe comes from a very uh, very niche is sort of the word I'm looking for. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, where you cross the line into self indulgence is uh, when it becomes. Like backslapping in a way, yeah. You know, even the ones, especially the ones that are pretending to be satires. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm going to point at what just happened, even though I haven't seen it, but okay. it just it's because it's recent. Okay. You know, um, and I'm ba- again, I don't like to come to conclusions about movies that I haven't seen. Right. So th- I'm saying this based on the reviews that I've read. This is what I understand the movie to be yeah. is uh, uh, a satire by people who still think that it's cool so they they actually think the thing they're satirizing is cool oh okay you know yeah and um, that's that brings us we're near the end of the show here thank yeah. god <laughs> this has been terrible for me okay this has been quite an ordeal <laughs> to make it through this episode <laughs> and i'm sorry to the listener uh it'll be more fun next week but uh it will we know that <laughs> yeah um but uh, yeah, let's build up the next episode a little more. Yeah, <laughs> let's um, set a, let's set, a, set them up for true. disappointment. Um, that's the problem. Okay, the problem that I just described with that I understand to be the case with what just happened yeah. is my problem with swimming with sh- swimming with sharks. Okay, so maybe we can end with swimming with sharks because okay. uh, it's a movie that I don't know if this is the case anymore. Uh, but if you're like when I was like high school age, you know, into college, like. Uh, you know, among people who wanted to do this with their lives, yeah. swimming with sharks was like this. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it was it was like it was like a, a gold standard. It was like right. it's like you got to see this movie. Yeah. You know, uh, and then I finally saw it, and it's it sucks <laughs> um, because it has the same problem. It the, at no at no point in the movie do you really uh, what, what because what you should learn uh, from that movie is that. Uh, Frank Willie should come away. Frank Willie's character should come away from that movie, uh, not wanting the job anymore. Right. You know, uh, realizing that it's uh, that it's a you know a sort of a emperor has no clothes type of situation. Right. You know, it's not everything it's cracked up to be. It's not as cool. Yeah. Uh, there's more to life, but it and it seems for a large parts of the movie, it seems like that's where it's going to go to me. You yeah. know, and then it doesn't because it's still enamored. The, the film itself, not just Frank Whaley, but the film itself is still enamored of Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, it's the point that it has to make um, is that it's just because, like, he does wind up taking the better job, and like, you know, it's like, oh, he's, you know, it's dog eat dog, and man, he he did what he had to do, and that's that's what it that's what you need out here, you know, if you're gonna succeed, and. Now, to the film's credit, I think it views his choice as something as a negative thing. Like, I mean, it plays like, you know, dramatic music and stuff as he realizes what he has done, but he's still doing it. I don't think it celebrates what he did. Um, no, I mean, it, but the the it, it feels false when they when when it's when it's portrayed negatively. It 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 does not feel like that's really how 
the film feels. That's true. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe, like, you think perhaps there was a, they had written an ending or something like that where he's as he's pleased as punch with his new job and you know he did what he had to do. No, I think like, I, I'm sure this is always the, but it's like, you know, okay. Scarface dies at the end. Brian De Palma's Scarface. Yeah, I mean he dies at the end of the original too. Yeah, but uh, you know Tony Montana dies at the end. Yeah, and that movie still makes people want to be like Scarface. Yeah. yeah, it still glorifies it by even though on paper it's condemning it. Right, it's still glorifying, and that's the same okay. thing with Swimming with Sharks. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, wh- one of the things that I like about Swimming with Sharks is I I like that Kevin Kevin Spacey, who I view to be actually. He's a theater actor who is in films. Uh-huh. I don't know if he ever made the transition. Yeah. Not to imply that he overplays, but he just he telegraphs things a, a, perhaps a bit too much. Every once in a while, he'll get a character that is perfect for that. Uh-huh. I think he's great. I think Jack Vincennes fits very well because Jack Vincennes, he's in Hollywood. And he's, yeah. he's a cop, but he's a Hollywood cop. And he's kind of putting putting on airs a little bit he's posing a little bit himself but i think that kevin spacey's role in swimming with sharks is great because he can be as theatrical and over the top as he wants and as i said everyone would be like yeah that's about right that's that's pretty good um but yeah it's uh it's an interesting movie because it 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 it, and i think it's one that actually i think non-hollywood people can relate to it because even take the Hollywood element out and it's still just a guy getting revenge on his boss. Yeah. You know? Um, but at the same time, the Hollywood element comes into, it's like, I'm getting revenge on my boss, but I desperately want what he has, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it doesn't explore the element that like, I hate him, but I'm also so jealous of him. Uh And if I was in his shoes, I, I might be doing the same thing, you know? Um, it doesn't explore that like it doesn't. And I think and it's the problem with Tropic Thunder as well. Like these there's so much to be satirized about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And these will take a they'll take a couple swipes at it, but they'll they're kind of they're kind of swipes that everybody already knows about, you know, yeah. um, like the player is very I mean, that one is it's as mean spirited as it gets. And again, I mean. Altman may have been, you know, he may have, by the time he made the player, that's what brought him back. You know, like what yeah. I was saying earlier about outsiders do the best jobs. Nobody else could have made that film. Nobody else would have had the balls to make the film the way he did, you know, because yeah. he'd been screwed over by Hollywood. So it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to make this about, uh, I'm going to make this, uh, this an indictment of Hollywood. It's like, oh, really? Is it going to be about like a director? No, it's going to be about an executive. <laughs> um and just like, uh, but what I will say, I I didn't want to end on swimming with sharks because it's that's a negative note. There are a couple <laughs> of there's a couple documentaries that I think, you know, I mean they're document. So you could say they're like making ofs, but American movie, and then Hearts of Darkness. Yeah, those are also about filmmaking. Now, granted, American movie is not about Hollywood, but it is about filmmaking, and it's about having passion for a project. And it's basically this guy just making this short film called Coven or Coven. And uh, no, he says Coven because Coven sounds like oven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, and so he uh, it would be, the, the guy, the older guy is like, oh, maybe if you put an umlaut in there or something. What are those two? 
is that those two dots? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like that. Like it's weird. Like uh, among the 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 film students that I knew several years ago, American movie, they would watch that, and they would get encouraged by it. And I think that one. You should be encouraged yeah. because it's all about a guy just doing what he has to do because he has a vision. Now, whether Co- whether Coven is good or not, that's beside the point. And Ed Wood is kind of similar. It's uh-huh. all about the passion of storytelling, and the practical elements are probably in his way. There's a lot of obstacles, but he will get past them or go around them. He will do whatever he can to realize his vision. And then you look at Hearts of Darkness, mm-hmm. and you realize that, like... I mean, <laughs> I, I love Apocalypse Now. I think it's like a, a really uh, an amazing film and an, and an amazing achievement, especially when you see Hearts of Darkness and yeah. realize that everybody, abba- if they didn't start insane, they went insane. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, little by little we went insane. That's his. That's what he says in it. Yeah, and it's just like, and that is all about, there's just as much passion in that as anything else, and that's just like, that's the artistic process, like, run amok. Like, it's just, yeah. like, very few... Like, I I don't think a fictional film could have captured what that movie captured because it's in the moment. There's nothing retrospective about it. It's all happening right there. And it's chaotic, and it's insane. And, it, and of course, in those terms, like, in those conditions, an amazing film was, was created, you know? And just... Like I don't think it's something that a narr- that can be a, uh, that can have a narrative imposed on it. Yeah. So like we, so like we've been talking about like Hollywood movies, but also like movies about movie making. Yeah. And Hearts of Darkness, which I don't know, is that even on DVD? I don't know. I've never seen it on DVD. Which is insane to me. I mean, because I, I mean, I guess it it could be like, oh, here's another, di- here's like a special three-disc edition of Apocalypse Now, and one of those discs yeah. is Hearts of Darkness. But I like that it exists with you know outside of it. Yeah. I th- uh, yeah, it's pr- definitely an inspiring movie for people who want to make movies. Yeah. But just a word of warning, not everyone can be given that much money and freedom and come out with a good movie. Right, so right. I, I mean, I'd say with most, in most cases, it's good to have some restrictions placed on yourself. I, 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 would, I would say yes, probably <laughs> so. But uh, but anyway, so um, all right. Well, we've been going for a while, so we'll go ahead and uh, and uh, let everybody go. You can always email us at battleshippretension at hotmail dot com. Yeah. Um, um, and, write us uh, reviews on iTunes. Yes, absolutely. subscribe if you're subscribe. not subscribed. Please, yeah. I'd appreciate it. Go to the. Not uh, that I'm in any position to ask you anything after my <laughs> pitiable <laughs> performance in this episode. You'll be, we'll be fine. Um, everybody really likes you. <laughs> That's a true. whole lot more than me. <laughs> <laughs> um but the, that's uh, that's so true that is absolutely true <laughs> um but anyway uh you know go to the forum and then once again just to remind everybody uh this is episode 99 100 is next week after that we are taking down the first 20 episodes that's right so again if you yeah. have not downloaded them or you have not listened to them please do so within the next uh in the next like week and a half because we're going to take them down so that's it uh all right well thanks for listening and uh we'll get you next time Bye. Bye.